Burnout, Ineffectiveness, and the Bivocational Pastor, the topic on this episode of ReChurch. Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. On this episode of ReChurch, we're interviewing Matt Wilson. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Yes, sir. Matt uh, is a bivocational pastor in Arizona. And recently, I sent out an article that I had read on burnout in the bivocational pastor. Mm-hmm. And Matt received my email and wanted to respond to it. And so I'm very grateful. So today, we would just want to discuss your view mm-hmm. on the bivocational pastor. So Matt, tell our audience a little bit about your background, sure. where you were reared. Yep. I, I grew up in northeastern Arizona. My parents were uh, missionaries with the Navajo Indians. And so I grew up on the Navajo reservation there. And uh, growing up, my dad was a bivocational pastor the whole time. So what did he do? Uh, He did whatever he could. So (laughs) he did a variety of things. He was a kindergarten teacher for a little while. He was a paramedic. Hmm. So he did whatever he could wherever God would open the doors. And one of the things I always saw from that was most of the people who were added to the church Mm -hmm. came as a result of his secular work that where he was in the workplace. Then I uh, went to BJU. I worked on staff there for a few years. And then I've been full-time as the director at Grandview Camp. All right, so Grandview Camp, Camp yep. on Wheels, just yes. in case people may identify with that. Sure. So Camp on Wheels started in 2005. Okay. Uh, started as a mobile ministry primarily for some of the Native American churches that we worked with. And then also at the end of our time in Arizona, we'd go up to Canada and do a couple weeks of camp for churches from Western Canada. Okay, so then yep. Grandview came out of that. Is that right. correct? So of in, industry, in right? 2008, we were donated a piece of property in Arizona that was gorgeous up in the mountains, mm-hmm. surrounded by national forest. And so and then we had a home base. So that was when it went from Camp on Wheels to Grandview Camp. I was there every summer from starting in 2005. Before that, I worked at the Wilds of the Rockies in Steamboat Springs, Colorado from 99 to 2004. Then uh, came to BJ for school, seminary. Yep, did my MDiv here, was on student life staff. Married. Married in 2006. <laughs> Got to make sure I get that yeah, right. Get that squared away, Rachel. And yeah. how many children? Now? We've got three kids, nine, okay. seven, and three. All right. So let's get into the bivocational. So yep. right now you got your father of three, yep. a husband, Grandview Camp. Yep. And tell us about yes, sir. what else you do. So I'm a chaplain in the Air Force Reserve. I've been doing that for six years now. And then. And I think it was an honor came with that. Last year you were chapter of the year. Yes, sir. Congratulations. Thank on that. you. Appreciate that. Um, I'm also one of the elders, associate pastor at Ponderosa Bible Church. And that is located near the camp. How it far is. Away? It's in Eager, Arizona. So it's okay. about eight miles from where the camp is. Okay. So really you're wearing that's three jobs. Yes, sir. Okay. So when you responded to the article that actually yeah. I posted from someone else. Right. All right, um, I think one of your, if I can just say that, that 
burnt, your, your quote to me was, burnout and ineffectiveness is not necessarily tied to being bivocational, but to theology priorities and gifting regardless of vocation or vocations. Yes, sir. Uh, that's a mouthful. Right. And that caught my eye. Yeah. All right, so let's talk through that. Sure. All right, so your observations on this, yep. uh, again, where it's not necessarily. So tell us right. your your theology on this, your yep. personal observations on this, what you have experienced. Right. This. So I, I've got kind of two different uh, lenses, viewpoints that I'm able to, to bring to the table. Okay. One is with being a camp director, I get to talk to a lot of pastors. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I love about camp and why I wanted to go into it in the first place is to help encourage and serve pastors in the West. Because most of them are isolated. Yes. Lonely. Yes, okay. exactly. And growing up in that environment, right. I knew how important camp was to them uh, to be able to come and see you're not alone. Uh, I remember my dad multiple times saying he thought that camp was what helped them stay on the mission field. And so that was really one of my burdens. So I, I, I talked to these guys a lot. Many of them are bivocational. It's very common in the West. Not all of them, but many of them are. Then I also have my own experience of being either just one vocation or three vocations. And so what I've seen in talking to pastors and in my own experience is I would say I've talked to just as many single vocation pastors. They're, that's all they do is pastor. Right. Got it. Who would say they're burned out as I do to guys that are in bivocational ministry. Uh, I know for me, my greatest time of burnout was when I only had one job, not when I was in a bivocational role. So what so. led to you mm-hmm. feeling this burnout? Right. On as you're simply, I'm not say simply because yep. the camp director is 24 seven, and all of this is 24 yes. seven. Okay, so I'm, right. but I, I've heard you say this. I want you yep. to tell our audience, yep. kind of some theological things that right. led you yeah. to come to the conclusions. So you. yeah, I really do view it as it was a failure or a wrong view of God where I was at. I came into the role of the director, and basically the director took, of the camp. Director of the camp. Okay. Yep. And took all of the weight for the success of the ministry on me. And I said, um, if I'm not good enough, this isn't going to work. And so that leads to very late nights where you're trying to get it all done. That leads to even a paralysis in decision making because of fear of making the wrong decision. And right, so can we stop there? Because I yes, know sir. you and I want the audience to know you. So yeah. um, I know you were in school with, with uh, my daughter and my son. Yep. And I know uh, your academics were, you, you, you did well yes, in sir. academics. Mm-hmm. All right, you also have some um, uh, construction skills, right? Uh, not much, but, but a little some. bit. Okay. <laughs> a little so bit. what I'm saying, you, have, you yep. can do many different things. So right. humanly speaking, as we yep. put all our efforts Right. All right. So this is what I just want people. I know you, but I want our right. audience to know you. All yeah. right, so that kind of fills in a little bit of the background. So right. you're gifted in several areas. Sure. Okay. Yes, and, and just really took that on and, and felt the weight of, you know, people's jobs and a ministry and all of this. And, and if I don't do this myself, it's going to fail. That led to not getting enough rest not spending enough time with family, not spending time in the Word, not making that the priority it needed to be, and getting to a point where I was not enjoying it. 
it was a, a burden that I felt like I got stuck with rather than this is what God has called me to do. It was, I'm stuck with doing this. And so in the theological, as you work through this, right. right? Theologically, what did you learn about God yeah. and what did you learn about yourself? Yeah. So thankfully, I got to a point where I knew I needed help. And I brought in some mentors, called somebody. And because I, I had gotten to a point where I was really failing in my leadership. And it was affecting the ministry as a whole. So I called in some, some friends. And one of the first questions they asked me was, do you believe that this is where God has called you? Do you believe that God has placed you here? Or do you think you're stuck here? Good question. And I had to wrestle through that. For it, it, That was not something I was able to answer immediately. I had to take a day to wrestle with that. And that was their first question to me. Uh, they said, before we deal with anything, we have to have this settled. And I had to work through theology of God's sovereignty, theology of calling and what does that mean um, with where I'm at. Do I believe that this is where God wants me to be? And do I want to be here? And as I worked through that, I came back with the answer that, yes, I do believe this is where God has me. And... Then working through from there, okay, if I believe God is sovereign, I believe that God's sovereignty and every leadership role, which by leadership role, that's sphere of influence. Right. That's my family. That's my church. Uh, this was before the Air Force had even come into the picture. Camp staff. The camp, everything is God-ordained. And God does not choose leaders because of our ability to do all of it you look at first corinthians 1 he chooses weak and foolish so that he gets the glory from it and that also means that when god sovereignly gives you those roles that what doesn't get done is okay Hmm. and so that means that if i do need to work multiple jobs or if I do, it doesn't matter whether you have multiple jobs or not, we all have multiple roles. Sure. That I've I got to do what God says is most important first. And then if in my abilities or strength or time I can't do something, actually, I, I say this very respectfully, that's on God and not on me. Okay. So at the end of the day, I close the computer and go home spend time with my family with the to-do list not done and that's okay that's all right because that god is the one who said i'm going to give you god is sovereign over our time he's sovereign over how much is on that list so basically i'm not the messiah i'm not the answer so that affects from a standpoint of what i can and can't do right it also gives confidence to do what I can can because I believe that that was what those mentors said to me once I came back and said okay I believe God's put me here they said okay now it's time for you to lead Mm. it's time for you to make decisions not because you know what you're doing but because God put you here right 
Uh, I'm interviewing Matt Wilson. Matt is yeah. a bivocational pastor out in Arizona. I'm Marshall Fant. This is uh, GFA's podcast, uh, ReChurch. We're talking about burnout, right? ineffectiveness, and the bivocational pastor. Matt just uh, reviewed for us his theology and where mm. it brought him to do this. And I think from, from your theology, mm-hmm. flowing out of that, yep. you came up with several principles you gave me on avoiding right. burnout. Right. Okay. And I know they're, they're pastors, they're pastors' wives. I wish right. Rachel could be here uh, with us today to give her input on this. But, you know, one, one of the principles you gave me is that your family is your most important ministry. Yes. So you said when you close that computer, you yep. go home, yep. you got three children, you got a wife, and then you can enjoy, right? You yes. can enjoy them. Right. And, and that, you just used a really important word, enjoy. Mm-hmm. I think before... God had brought me to that point of what do I know about my God affecting everything I do. I would feel guilty for taking time to go spend time with family. I would think, ah, I, I know I need to do this, but I've got this long list of stuff that's not done and wrestling with, am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And there is a very freeing feel of God's in charge. God has said my family is my most important ministry. And so I can be free to enjoy time with them. All right. Now, for our audience's sake, yeah. um, you're how old? I am. How old am I? <laughs> 36. All right. And your children. This is key. Your yeah. children are at what ages? Nine, seven, and three. All right. So right now, you're at one of the busiest seasons of your life. Right. Right. I have grandchildren. I don't yeah. have children. Okay. <laughs> right. So I would say right now, you yeah. and Rachel, with three children in the home, three under 10. Yeah. The demands on you as a father and a husband are as yeah. great right now as they'll ever be. Is that fair to say? Yes, sir. I would All think right. so. So you're able to go home and just say, I've yeah. done what I can do. I can I can yeah. enjoy my family. Right. All right. The second principle you had was that God's chosen you to bring glory to himself. First right. Corinthians 1. So yes. you want to add to that, explain what you, yeah. how you came to that? You know, I, I said I got to a point of paralysis in decision making because I'm trying to keep people happy. And that was where those mentors came back to me and said, this isn't about you. God put you here because you're weak and foolish. So he gets glory. So now if you believe that God has sovereignly put you in this role, just like Paul said to Timothy, don't let people despise your youth. Do what God's called you to do. And because God, God places leaders and God can remove leaders. And so having that clear-eyed view that I'm here because God put me here. That means God's got a job for me to do. And, and it, he'll empower you to do and it. And he'll empower me Amen. to do it in spite of any weaknesses or failures in the midst of that. God knew all that when he put me there. And so that, that gives a freedom to make decisions. It gives a freedom to lead in even with knowing, you know, there's times where with having multiple jobs, you'll always feel like I'm not doing any one of these the best it could be done. Mm-hmm. feel like I'm not great at any one of them, but that's what God's given you to do, and God works through weak, sinful men to get his job done. Amen. So, All right, third one, which I love this quote. Now stay with me as I read it. God yeah. has ordained every role and responsibility for you, mm-hmm. not in spite of your limitations, but with all your limitations. Yes. So again, God's ordained every role and responsibility with your limitations. Yes. Okay, so talk to us about that. Yeah. So when 
specifically from, a, let's say, a bivocational. You feel like, I, I don't have enough time to do what I need to do. Or I, uh, I've heard some pastors say I'm too young. I've heard some pastors say I'm too old. <laughs> I, I've heard uh, some pastors say we don't have enough money to do what we think we should be doing. Um, I don't have enough help in my church. I don't have enough uh, committed men in my church. We all have got limitations that are placed on us. And uh, that can be limitations of time, can be limitations of gifting, any one of those things. But 1 Corinthians 1 says that God's power is seen in our weakness. Mm. And that's the theology of the cross. That the way man typically views things is turned upside down. And God delights in choosing weak, foolish people. All right, so tied in with that, because I know your yeah. ministry, and I know, I know how you do things. Yeah. That doesn't mean there's not a spirit of excellence in right. what you do. Okay, so just comment yeah. on that. Sure. Our, one of our core values at the camp is that we have a pioneer spirit of excellence. And the word pioneer is really important, yeah. because that means we do what we can with what we got. <laughs> and, and so with the time God gives me, I want to do my best for His glory. Um, but I'm not going to wait until things are perfect to get it done. So pioneer, especially being in the West, means that we'll take what we've got and we'll use it the best that we can for God's glory. So well said. You know, I, I talk to a lot of guys, about, a lot of pastors by vocational. Yeah. And they need to hear this yeah. because a lot of them just feel like I, I, every time I enter the pulpit, I'm yeah. not prepared. Right. So well said. All right, number four, you said do not allow man's expectations to replace God's expectations. So right. do not allow man's expectations to replace God's expectations. Comment on that one. Yeah. This was actually my uh, brother-in-law that specifically added that one, Dan Smetana. He's a, a pastor in uh, Arden, North Carolina. But we've been talking about this, and sometimes the guilt that we feel or the lack is because of what we think other people expect us to do and to be. And especially in our American culture, where success has got certain definitions tied to it. You need to have so many programs. You need to have so many events. And if you're not doing all of these programs and all of these events, then you are not doing what you're supposed to do. And we might need to just take a step back and simplify and say, what is it that God wants me to do? Well said. All right, last one, which I think you and I both agree is probably the most yeah. important. Prioritize your personal walk with God. Yeah. You know, I can talk and talk about, well, just do what you can with what you got and uh, balance all these other things. But the difference between dependence on God and dependence on my own ability is very clearly seen in my time in the Word and in prayer. So if I'm skipping prayer, I'm skipping time in the Word, that is an indication of what? Of self-confidence. Okay. And it's got to yeah. be God-confidence. That's right. Confidence in Christ. That's right. Yeah. You want to expand on that anymore? I mean, yeah. so... So one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is God's normal means of grace. That... If we read our Bibles, we talk about being desperately dependent a lot because we feel our weakness, we feel our limitations. Uh, We know we need God's help. 
So go get it. Amen. It's a free gift. It makes no sense for me to sit here and say, I can't do this. I need God's help and not spend time reading my Bible. Not spend time in prayer. Do I really believe prayer is supernatural? If I do, I'm going to do that. Um, Do I believe in the necessity of the church? Am I invested in relationships in my local church? Do I believe I need discipleship? Mm -hmm. God has given us normal means of grace. And I uh, was talking about this with another pastor friend, and he was saying, you know, when I was in seminary, uh, kind of poo-pooed the song, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Yeah. So now I've been a pastor for a little bit. Yeah, go back and sing Go that. back and sing that one. If yeah. you just read your Bible and pray, that is something that, as I've been meditating on that, when I sit down to read my Bible, I about get goosebumps just thinking, God is pouring grace into me as I am sitting and reading his word. So, uh, because if you leave that out, there's no reason to go forward, right? right. I mean, because it's going to be in the flesh, it's going to be in self dependence, right? And not grace and power. Is that a fair way to say it? Yes, sir. Many of you, Matt Wilson, uh, Matt, if somebody wanted to um, just email you, what would be a good email address they could ask some questions? It's Matt, M A T T, at grandviewcamp.org. So Matt, M-A-T-T, at grandviewcamp.org. Yes, sir. It's been great being with you. Thank you so yeah. much for taking the time to come over today. Uh, Marshall Fant, I uh, also appreciate the work of Sarah Hartwig, uh, part of our team that puts this together. If you got any topics or questions, you can email me at mfant at gfamissions.org, mfant, gfamissions.org. Matt, thank you. Yes, sir. I trust you'll have a great week. Thank you. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org consulting.